This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. No my Hari Mai Kiora Tanakwe, Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We've got a lot to get through coming up after one o'clock. We speak to an Emmy Award winning film editor. He's a Kiwi New Zealander. Yes, he goes by the name of Ken Zemke. He's got a long list of credits. We'll talk to him after one o'clock this afternoon. But first of all, I've got to get this off my chest. Last night. We had a burnout. We had a donut on the corner of Victoria and Hood Streets last night. A, a Falcon car decided to, to do something stupid. There are stupid people living in the city. This opinion is mine. Well, he did a burnout, or her, she did a burnout. Or her. The car was full of people last night, and they did the burnout at that corner. Smoke everywhere, everybody cheering. And then later on that evening, on the way home, crossing the bridge, some dipstick on one of those scooters travelling along the Anzac, Anzac Parade bridge on one of the scooters. Well, that's my opinion. Anyway, it is coming up to 19 minutes to one o'clock. In the week that we lost Robbie Coltrane and Angela Lansbury, when you rush around in hopeless circles, searching everywhere... We double-checked, and I've been talking about this, about RIP fake news. And the list is long. Some website is putting out the news that celebrities and TV hosts are dying. Well, here's the latest list, and they all are alive. Alan Alder, Bill Cosby, Dustin Hoffman... Jack Nicholson, Cher, John Bon Jovi, Lindsay Lohan, Justin Bieber, Russell Crowe, Will Smith, Paul McCartney, Tom Hanks, uh, Tom Cruise, Robert Redford, Jack Black, Taylor Swift, Will Ferrell, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, and Kanye West. Well, they've all been reported dead in the last couple of weeks. I can tell you, folks, that they are all very much alive. So I don't believe that website. Yeah, sadly, we did lose uh, Dame Angela Lansbury this week. Until at last you start well, it's October 16, 2022, day 289, 76 to go. Ten leading Nazis sentenced to death at the Nuremberg War Tribunal, among them Goring, Rippentop, uh, Keitel and Rosenberg. Long prison sentences for other leading Nazis, Hess and Speer. Goering asked to be executed as a soldier by firing squad. It was denied. The night before his execution, Goering swallowed a cyanide pill. Then he was cremated along with the other condemned.
89.0 independent community media as we remember as we remember today that the Nuremberg war trial tribunal they passed sentenced and all these Nazis were executed this day so and um, Goering of course as I said took his own life well happily let's move on well, entertainer, actor, singer William Bygraves was born in London 1922 this day, 100 years ago. Named Max after fellow comedian Max Miller. Appearances in Educating Archie, 20 Royal Command performances, a series of best-selling sing-along albums. Bygraves died of Alzheimer's, August 31, 2012. He was living in Australia at the time. And uh, we remember Max Bygraves for songs such as this. All right, all right, all right, all right, children, all right, teachers here. 
Now, lessons. What shall we have today? Arithmetic? No! English? No! Thank goodness for that. Now, what would you like? Tell us a story! Tell you a story. I think that'll be a good idea. Son! Yes. Now then. Once upon a time, there was a toothbrush who lived all alone in a great big bathroom. Alone, that is, except for a tube of toothpaste. The tube of toothpaste was very amorous. Sometimes it would turn its nozzle towards the toothbrush and sing, Squeeze me, squeeze me, never let me go. But the blue toothbrush didn't care for the toothpaste. Then one morning, what do you think happened? There was another toothbrush in the rack, a pink toothbrush. And the blue toothbrush looked towards the pink toothbrush and said, You're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush. Have we met somewhere before? You're a pink toothbrush, and I think toothbrush that we met by the bathroom door. Glad to meet toothbrush, such a sweet toothbrush. How you thrill me through and through. Don't be hard toothbrush on a soft toothbrush, cause I can't help loving you. Every time I hear you whistle It makes my nylon bristle You're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush Won't you marry me in haste? I'll be true toothbrush, just to you toothbrush When we both use the same toothpaste all right, children, I want to see if you've been listening. When I say two, join in on the chorus. One, three. You're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush. Have we met somewhere before? You're a pink toothbrush and a pink toothbrush that we met by the bathroom door. Glad to meet toothbrush, such a sweet toothbrush. How you thrill me through and through. Don't be hard to. Every time I hear you whistle It makes my nylon bristle You're a pink toothbrush and a blue toothbrush Won't you marry me in haste? I'll be true toothbrush Just to you toothbrush When we both Very good. You can all take the day off. Yeah, the wonderful late Max Bygraves. He's born to stay in 20... Sorry, 1922. You're a pink toothbrush. Happy days then, Mel. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Most of us learn our mother tongues naturally, accurately, without wonder or mystery, till one day... A stranger comes by, babbling like a brook, incomprehensible sounds, we know not what. We have encountered our first foreign language. We might ignore it, or take the plunge from curiosity to fathom its depth. 
They are the language learners who consciously strive to navigate these barriers to our understanding of others' cultures. Earth Diverse embodies the idea of cultural diversity in its brochure, beginning with hi everyone and leading to g'day. Whose are those languages in between on that letterhead? We ask Dr. Todd Nakowitz, founder and executive director of Earth Diverse, and Norna Morris, director of educational programs. Good afternoon. Hi guys, how's it going? Good, thanks. Well, give us a sort of greeting in any language you like. Namaste. Assalamu alaikum. Namaste and assalamu alaikum. And I could say jumbo. And well, we've got to say ki- we've got to say kiora, of course. Yes. And you've got those languages, some of them in scripts that few of us understand. But somehow you do, Todd. When did you come by the knowledge of the Indian scripts? Well, I started studying Hindi back in the 1970s when I was at university and um, began shortly thereafter, about 1980, studying Urdu, so I can read much of the North Indian scripts and um, also um, uh, Urdu and Arabic scripts. And as a child, I also studied Hebrew, so I can read Hebrew um, as well. Mm-hmm. The the, the, this discussion has come up a lot of time when it comes to Hebrew. What language did Jesus speak? Oh, Jesus would have spoken in Aramaic, which was the vernacular language of the day. Earth Diverse goes global. Now, in the teaching, the courses that you offer, and there are many hues and shades, and it's suggested that some might study a language for the sake of retrieving, recovering from the mists of time the language spoken by their forefathers or foremothers. Nona? Well, there's um, two different goals we had in mind when we uh, began the language teaching program. One was to help bring mainstream culture a couple steps towards the many migrant communities that live in Hamilton. At present, we have over 160 different ethnic communities living in Hamilton and that many languages to go with it. So it's very important that mainstream culture comes on board and takes those few steps towards the migrant community groups and learns something of their languages because migrants are expected to learn English, they are expected to go 100% of the way to learn Kiwi customs, English, and all the other parts of culture that exist here in New Zealand. But we don't ask our mainstream dominant culture Mm -hmm. to take the same steps and learn something of the incoming migrant communities. So that's part of it. Because by learning another person's language, you can then engage in intercultural intercultural uh, interactions or intercultural communication, very different from multicultural, which means you've got different cultures sitting side by side. This is about engagement. And then the second part of it, as you mentioned, Mel, is that we've got now generations of, of Kiwis who've been born here but came from a migrant background, and they're ability to maintain their language integrity yep. gets lost over the generation. So we do have students who come to us who have, uh, you know, their grandparents might have come here and they're trying to 
uh, reclaim their heritage language, which is a very important part of their original identity. Do, do the English, the Scottish, the Welsh and the Irish still form a greater part of our diversity in New Zealand as it has for generations? Um, I would say absolutely. And at some point in the future, if we can find the right teachers, we'd be interested in offering all of those difficult languages that are hard to access here in New Zealand. Which, which for the Scottish and the Irish is Gaelic? Yeah, and also with Welsh. Um, so many interesting languages. Are you one of those gifted people who can acquire foreign sounds very easily? while others of us just in puzzlement <laughs> move on to something else rather than try to deal with that right. new language. That's an interesting question. Learning the sounds of a language often happens in childhood. You're exposed to those sounds so you internalize them and can reproduce them. Um, as you get older, you know, once you get to age seven and eight and nine and so forth, the actual brain network, the ability to produce those sounds, if you're not using them, you lose them. And so later as an adult, you physically can't hear those sounds. So it is challenging to hear it. Both of us were, as children, exposed to those sounds because of other languages we were exposed to. And so where I can hear four different D's sounds and four different T sounds, um, coming out of many Indian languages, another person can't distinguish because in English we only hear one D and one T. And Todd can give that description to you now, for example. Well, I, I wanted to start by, by saying um, when I hear a question like that, I have to chuckle inside because for me, language learning is not an easy thing. So when somebody says, oh, you're a linguist, I say, no, not really, because I'm like most people that it takes me an awful long time to learn a language. So I think starting early is a good thing. So for instance, with Hindi and Urdu, I began those languages um, in my late teens um, and early 20s. Um, and I'm in my 60s now, so uh, it's a long journey for me. Whereas over the years, I've seen many students pick up languages much quicker than I have. But like Nona said, um, especially with languages like Hebrew, when I was a child, I was exposed to different sounds at a very early age. And I think that has certainly helped my later language learning acquisition. Would you like to give the example of the D's and T's uh -huh. and see if it comes across on radio? Sure. Um, in in um, Hindi, for instance, um, there are four T sounds and four D sounds that are important in, uh, in North Indian languages, um, but are virtually indistinguishable to the um, English-speaking yeah. ear or somebody who has it. So, for instance, instance, these are broken up into both dental sounds that have to do with the placement of the tongue and retroflex sounds, which has the tip of the tongue on the center of the roof of the mouth. Mm -hmm. And in addition to the difference between dental and aspirated, you have both um, aspirated and unaspirated sounds. So this um, dental retroflex, aspirated and unaspirated, and the difference between the T and D sounds give us eight different letters like a da, a retroflex unaspirated D, and a da, a retroflex aspirated D. And I can do those with T's and you would probably not even hear the difference at all. Yeah, it, it, it's sometimes difficult with me because I've been speaking to a few members of the Indian community this week, one on a call centre, and it was difficult to 
talking to him because it is difficult on a phone when you've got a, a person on the other end is is a person of Indian origin. It, it, it is difficult sometimes. Well, interestingly enough, all Indians hear T's and D's from English words as retroflex sounds, mm -hmm. and they won't be able to pronounce them as dental T's and D's like we would pronounce them as dental T's and D's. This is why there's always somebody saying something instead of something. That TH sound, tha, is incredibly diff difficult, if not impossible, for a non-native English speaker to um, acquire that tha sound. What you're setting out is a recipe for acquiring another language as young as possible and in old age abandoning the attempt. No, I would actually disagree with that. In fact, language learning is one of the best things you can do for your mind in mm. as you get older. In fact, because of the nature of the way the brain lays down pathways when you're learning a language, it's actually forging new networks. And so as you get older, you're actually strengthening your brain by learning another language. So it's absolutely a fantastic plan to pick up another language at any age. Oh, bring it on then. Now, you're opening a new term at Earth Diverse starting tomorrow. Yes. This, uh, this coming week is our term four. It runs for eight weeks. And we have a range of classes, languages being only one category of courses that we offer. Um, we also offer courses in the arts and um, history, health, well-being, ecology, uh, literature, philosophy, and religious studies. So that's what's on offer this coming term. But over the course of the year, there's over 150 courses on offer. Well, well, of course, being of Scottish descent myself, you've got to think of Robert Burns, who wrote his Kilmarnock edition in a strange sort of Scottish language. So when you get to languages, are you going to do a bit of study on Robert Burns? Um, we, we do courses on poetry. One of our yeah. instructors, Norman Franca, um, uh, teaches at least once a year. Um, a course on sacred poetry, yep. for instance, and we have a number of courses on literature. And this is a good uh, opportunity to put in a plug for instructors. We're not just looking for students to take our classes. We are also always on the lookout for new, interesting, exciting, quirky courses on basically any topic. So if anybody out there that's listening might have a skill that they'd like to share, make sure you come and uh, contact us and talk with us because we'd be interested in offering courses. Some of the titles are rather intriguing. Perhaps an illustration of what you just said. Run your own op shop. It's not an academic course, I take it. No, that was a course. It was a, it was a one-day holiday program for children to come and learn about uh, eco, um, the ecological aspects of op shopping. So we talked about recycling, reusing, and upcycling. What's the difference between the three things and how... Um, how important it is uh, from an environmental perspective to to look at op shops as a really um, uh, important part of the integral part of the economy and we also talked about entrepreneurial skills so the kids were getting uh, uh, interesting um, 
they got some education about the topic as well as learning how to put together their op shop. Then they ran their own op shop and yeah. we opened it up for the public to come and do some shopping. Well, as we know, kids are big sponges, of course, when it comes to language. And you, you hear, I've, I've heard young young people speak with a kind of English English accent and amongst the kids. Then you get all the diverse uh, languages in between and how they speak and uh, you get the gang languages etc etc the gang speak and uh, hey some of these some of these kids are great and um, when it when it comes to speaking their minds and uh, hopefully you get a lot of are, are, are children invited to some of these courses to come along yeah the courses have no age limit to them at all uh, we have some of our language classes have the range of ages and there can be from an 11 year old to a 65 year old in the same class i had a 90 year old i had a 90 year old in one of our arabic classes a couple of terms ago oh time for us yet what about this one create your own bunting workshop yep that's one that's actually upcoming it's not happening this particular term even though it was listed but we've pushed that one it'll be coming up with a holiday program later on mm -hmm. festivals oh. from different cultures Mexico. Yes. Well, that's an exciting one that we really hope to get a lot of um, attendance for. This is a, um, a two-day workshop running from the 27th to the 28th of October um, over the course of two evenings. And in this workshop, it's we invite the families to come along and learn how to prepare all of the objects and foods and other necess necessary items to celebrate uh, El Dia de los de Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead. And for those who have seen the musical Coco, the animated film, um, they might be familiar with the Day of the Dead. But this is how to celebrate it, and we're going to take them through all the activities and craft making to actually create your own altar. And then on the 1st of November, we're opening it up um, from the first onwards for a week for people to come by and visit the altar that's been yep. made. Todd, is there a cost to this? Uh, yeah, but first, um, this, this course will be the first of a new series of courses on festivals of the world. And we wanted to um, introduce that uh, as a new category of courses we'll be offering in the coming year. You'll need a host of tutors. Yes, absolutely. We're well connected with the various ethnic uh, communities. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, in, indeed, there is um, a, a cost to some of our courses, but quite often um, our courses are subsidized by various groups, mm -hmm. or um, if we have funding for those particular courses, we can offer them at a, at a discount. Let's talk about location, location, location. Location. We are very centrally located. We're in the CBD. We're on 401 Anglesey Street, and we're up on the first floor. So it's not too difficult to find us. Um, and there usually is some street parking, but we also have a few parking spaces available of our own. And yet you have outreach to the world. Thanks to Todd came up with a very clever solution to um, providing zoom technology that really gives people a 
as close to an in-person experience as possible. Yes, even without an advertising budget per se, we've been relying on social media. And because we've um, used Zoom and specific cameras that we've imported from the United States, um, the majority of our, our, our courses are hybrid. In other words, they have in-person components and a seamless use of people Zooming in as well. So for instance, in a language class, we can go around the room and the people that are up on the television on the screen are no different than the ones sitting in the classroom. Yeah. With, with using Zoom, of course, are you going to ask these people to have a screenshot at, in the background as comes with Zoom these days of their of their native country so they can have a flag in the background uh, when, when you do these Zoom calls? We, we let the people who are Zooming in from wherever they are in the world to use whatever background they would like. <laughs> and this um, all comes within the ambit of a non-profit organization, Earth Diverse. Yeah, yeah, we are indeed a not, not-for-profit organization. History. Tudor women who moulded the monarchy. This class is one of my special classes. It's um, the lecture is part of my junior lecture team. In my junior lecture program, uh, we bring in young people sort of right now. The youngest one is 16, and our oldest end is about 23. We bring in young people who have a passion for a particular topic and are comfortable enough talking about it or want to share it. And if they have those two things, then I mentor them through the process of how to put together a course actually putting together presentation and presentation skills that they might need in a zoom format or in a uh, in-class format the young people that we've had so far in this junior lecture program have been absolutely fantastic their courses have been engaging interesting and incredibly diverse so the young woman that is going to be teaching this course is Flicky Cunliffe. She's a student from University of Victoria, and her majors are in history and politics. And she has an absolute passion for the women of the Tudor monarchy and felt that this would be an excellent time to present it in the, in the wake of the Queen's passing, that there hopefully is an interest in women of the monarchy. Does this include the Battle of Wills between Queen Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots? It will include all of that, yes. Oh. She's covering all of the key women in the Tudor, in yeah. the Tudor period. They, they never met. Those, they were cousins. And I think Mary, Queen of Scots, had more right to the English throne than Elizabeth I had. So, uh, but that's another point. So they might come out, come out in the lecture. It will definitely be presented um, and it will have Flicky's particular take on it. Feminism in... Um, sorry, can I just add that her course is just five weeks, it's one hour per week so it's the low commitment and we really really would love support for her first endeavour into teaching so we really really encourage people to take that course. Feminism in unexpected context. Feminism in Arabic literature. Dr. Lean Al-Hadban. Yes, that's right. Um, fantastic course. This will be the second time it's offered. Um, and for those who have never uh, been exposed to Arabic literature, it doesn't matter that if you have ever read anything by an Arabic author before, this will take you from pre-Islamic poetry through the 1001 uh, Arabian Nights right through to modern uh, novels. novels. And in each 
it will look at how women are portrayed, trying to set aside and uh, enlighten the audience about the real role of women rather than the stereotypes that are usually formed about Arabic women. A subject that's close to our hearts these days, doing business with China, understanding Chinese culture and raising cultural awareness and business success. Yes, this is uh, another new series of um, workshops that we hope to be giving in professional development, and it's the second time that we've offered this course. Um, we hope to be continuing this with other experts that have uh, um, uh, an interest in sharing their cultural knowledge of working in foreign countries. Um, we're targeting um, business communities here in, in the greater uh, Waikato and also throughout Aotearoa, New Zealand, um, because we're offering this is both an in-person uh, class and a hybrid course, but we hope to be able to engage more readily with businesses that do uh, uh, that that engage with countries around the world and helping them with cultural taboos and cultural cues and clues, um, for instance, and um, and sharing a little bit of food if you're in in class. Is, is and it, these are one-off, uh, one-day workshops. Well, with China, with China, of course, is this beyond politics? Because as we yes. know, and it's rumored that the current leader of China is a despot and you, you get all this bad news out of China. You, you want to go beyond, beyond politics. Yes, That's right. These, these courses are not a political course. They're cultural-based. <coughs> and it's not at all about... Um, there's, there is no political content to yep. this course. It is strictly how do we understand and interact with Chinese people. Mm -hmm. The woman who is running this course is Anne Cao, who yeah. is well known for her cherry blossom festival yeah. that was recently held here in Hamilton. Is, is, is there something to do with films? Because I, I just saw um, the um, Emmy award-winning film editor Ken Zemke going to walk in. He's following us, you, this afternoon. So is there anything to do with film? Yes, as a matter of fact, we introduced a new series of courses on world cinema in January or February of this year in Term 1, and this was with Jeff Leland, who yes. has unfortunately just recently passed away and has been sadly missed. Um, however, the next course in this term is going to be offered during the January-February yeah. period with Yurika Arai, who's going to be teaching our next course in this series on Japanese anime. Oh yes, I've I've seen it because the characters just look like us, and uh, I've seen the books, I've seen the movies. You see it all on YouTube, and they they look like us, but they are Japanese. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this course, and Yurika has been designing this course now for almost a year. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be a short course of uh, lasting only four weeks and mm. four two-hour sessions in mid-January to mid-February of 2023. Each session may be only two hours in many cases. However, the background work, organizing the content, the advertising of it, this must involve countless hours that we don't know about. That's absolutely right. It is a enormous labor to put on just one course, but uh, if we can reach even one person or two people and increase their perspective about the world. A few, a few, sleepless, a few sleepless nights, was it? Oh, always, but you know, we, <laughs> our goal really is to 
encourage people to broaden their perspectives about the world and to um, gain that extra bit of knowledge that increases their tolerance to other cultures, to other ways of seeing, to other ways of knowing. All set to roll into the fourth term come tomorrow. That's right. At what time? Um, our first course um, on Monday, uh, I believe it begins in the uh, evening. Most of our courses are afternoon and evening courses. So if you're interested in uh, looking at our term four offerings and our offerings for the holiday period in January and February, feel free to visit our website at earthdiverse.org.nz. That's earthdiverse.org.nz. Get, get the kids joining in during the holiday period, something different. Dr. Todd Nakowitz and Nona Morris, founders, directors of the educational programs, and you, Todd, credited with being the founder and executive director, Earth Diverse. We're beginning to hear it as a familiar term. Doubtless you will spread your tentacles to other centres ultimately. We'll have to catch up with you um, before the end of the year and probably bring in one of the people who's participated and have a chat to see how, what they've learnt. That would be excellent. It's We'd a pleasure. Anyway, as you know, doing Scotty's Place, the Scottish program on a Friday as well as this program, I am of Scottish descent, grandparents, uncles, whatever. Here is Andy Stewart. Bonnie Scotland Back in where I was born Once more I'll meet my lassie In my kilt I've always worn Then we'll roam among the heather Kissing and cuddling together I'm off to Bonnie Scotland To the glen where I was born I've travelled far since I left my home Like many friends I know Yet still I hear the call of the glen That I left long ago I'm off to Bonnie Scotland Back home where I was born Once more I'll meet my wee lassie In my kilt I've always worn Then we'll roll
Paul, just to beg a pardon, it is a very rough recording of a Hogan's Heroes theme because we've got a man coming in. He worked on Hogan's Heroes. We must. Yes, we must apologise for the bad sounding, but uh, it was pretty quickly done this morning, early at uh, breakfast time. The Hogan's Heroes theme has done, of course, and the man behind it, Ken Zemke. Yes, I saw him at the end credits of Hogan's Heroes this morning. His name was on the credits as film editor. So we'll talk to Ken very, very shortly here at Free FM 89.0 and he also in an association with the sky. As the snow flies On a cold and grey Chicago morning a poor little baby child is born in the ghetto And his mother cries Cause if there's one thing she don't need Is another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto My people, don't you understand Your child is a heavy He'll grow to be an angry young man someday I take a look at you and me are we too blind to see? Do we simply turn our heads and look the other way? Well, the world turns. And a hungry little boy with a runny nose plays in the street as a cold wind blows in the ghetto. And his hunger burns.
stuff from Elvis Presley. It was a 16th UK number one back in 1970. The Wonder of You and the man who worked with Elvis. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Ken. Oh, thank you. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, brilliant stuff. The Wonder of You. It's uh, one of his big, big hits. Many. One of many big hits. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've gone through your list of... I've checked out TCM, Turner Classic Movies. You're on that list. And also checked out the internet movie... um, Guide, Came a Hot Friday with the late great Billy T. James, Correct. The Pirate Movie with Kirsty McNichol, Bill, uh, Bill Keir was in that, and That's also true. one, what I'm talking about, oh, I'm just trying to remember, remember he, was, he was also in that movie, of course, um, with, uh, it was two teenagers on that island, I, I forget the movie, but... Uh, pirate Movie. Yeah, the Pirate Movie, based on, of course, of Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, that's when the Pirates of Penzance became general public, was no longer copyrighted yep. after a certain length of the time. I don't forget what um, you call that. Public talk- domain. Yep. Right. Uh, Marlon Bay. Marlon Bay with Lorna Rogers. Yep. Um, you worked with the Australian English actor Bill Keir. Bill Keir. He yeah, was the late Bill Keir. And, of Very course, Mag- and Maggie Kirkpatrick, who's best remembered as the freak in Prisoner. Yeah, that was one of your other roles. Ferguson in, in the television series... Um, which we know here in New Zealand called The Prisoner. Oh, I yeah. don't remember that one. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but welcome, sir. It's a, it's a long time since I've seen you. Yes, I've been here before. Yeah, <laughs> ten years, we think ten years ago. It could have been. Ken Zemke is sensitive to the finer points of cinema. In his long career with films, his focus was less upon the lighting or camera angle than the all-important screenplay being borne out by the assembly of scenes, sound and music in an artistic, convincing fashion. If well done, it mesmerizes moviegoers, distracting them from the popcorn. If it can do that, the domain of film directors and financiers, that film's likely to be a box office success. The juxtaposing of ideas conceived in the screenwriter's mind is only as good as the finesse of the film editor who pieces them one by one together for the final effect. Will it be fame or failure? (laughs) Well, for me, it's been a lot of fame, fortunately. I don't think I worked any projects that were a failure in my career. Yeah, that actor I'm trying to think of is Christopher Atkins. Oh, yeah, Christopher Atkins Yeah, the pirate movie. Yeah, well, of course, Hogan's Heroes. We can't forget Hogan's Heroes. It was produced 
by the Bing Crosby Company. Did you ever meet, meet Bing Crosby? No, it was the Bing Crosby Studio. Yes. Is where it was filmed. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think Bill, Bing Crosby was about anymore. Well, I, I think the they... The studio was named after yeah. him. Like, like Lucille Ball and uh, Daisy yeah. Lou and all yeah, that. Yeah, that was in, in, the, in the Bing Crosby Studios, yep. Lucille Ball. And, and, and of course... Um, I think it's rumoured that Bing Crosby was lobbied to play Hogan, but they got Robert Crane instead. So oh, right, I didn't know about that, but yeah, Robert Crane was fine, and they, he held the the prisoners together for like five years <laughs> of TV programs. Is the art of editing films well understood to people outside the industry? I don't believe it is. You know, you think about going to a good movie. And you can come out and say, man, the cinematography was beautiful. And wasn't the music great? And wasn't the acting great? Editing? And they'll say the editing, if it was a fast, pacey movie, and say, oh, the editing was great, it was so fast. But it, it, you, it, movies, most movies aren't fast-paced, you know? And so the importance of editing, then, is to... Well, what I, when I edit it, I would try to think, what, where does the audience want to be now? On your close-up or my close-up? or the wide shot, so we have a choice of all of that, those angles. So the mark of success is no one noticed the editing. Correct. <laughs> if it was good editing. If it was bad yeah. editing, they'd say, yeah. oh, it was kind of jerky, or yeah. the editing was not that good. Well, um, yeah, well, as one glorious Swanson once says, I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> as he, as, as he, she said to Cecil B. DeMille, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you've, you, you've got to make the words sound great as it comes out of the actor's mouth. That's right. And if they don't sound too good and you have to close down the production that day because it's getting dark and it was a daylight exterior, then we can post-sync dialogue, mm -hmm. you know? So at, after the movie's over and we need to replace dialogue, we go into a studio like this with a microphone and they can replace the dialogue. Did you ever have to go back into the studio, the actor who's in the movie has died and you've got to find somebody who can, um, who can impersonate. Um, there was a guy in America called Rich Little who was oh, called yeah. in many, many times because he was a great impersonator. Yeah. And uh, Did that ever happen to you? The actor died and someone had to come in and do the dialogue? <laughs> no, that would be difficult editing to, <laughs> to smooth it out if you had a replacement actor. Editing of films, these blockbusters sometimes, must involve so much work there'd be a team, no? There could be a team of editors, um, and the only time I really worked with a team is on the Elvis on Tour movie, and uh, we had, uh, it was me as the, uh, um, the master uh, supervising editor, I was called, and then there was three other famous editors, and one was uh, Scorsese. Marty Scorsese hadn't been really big. He had made a couple of low-budget movies at that time. So he was still editing, and he was a fine editor. And in this Elvis movie, he edited the montages, you know, the traveling uh, shots and with the music and, and everything like that. When you mention Elvis, did you see a spiritual side to this man? That's a very good question, because when I got on the movie, I didn't... I knew Elvis was great, and, and some of his songs I, I knew of, and I knew that the women liked Elvis Presley. Uh, and uh, uh, so, what was your question again? I'm sorry. I Did he show that spiritual, oh, spiritual side? side? Yes. 
in the movie Elvis on tour, and I don't think it's on YouTube at all, but it's, it, it, there's CDs of it. Um, you know how these musos, like you're going to hear from Paul Bennett in a minute, uh, they rehearse all night or work all night, and they sleep half the day in the daylight. Yeah. And and there's this particular sequence they've been rehearsing, and Elvis is how many you know, how many times you had need to rehearse? You ain't nothing but a hound yeah. dog, yeah. or love me tender, or whatever. You, you talk about Elvis in the spiritual moments. Here's part of the American trilogy that he recorded, and it was it was in part of the latest Elvis Presley flick with uh, Tom Hanks. brilliant piece of work by taking three songs and putting them into the trilogy there yeah and so in this in our movie uh through rehearsing elvis walked over to the piano and i didn't know he could play the piano you know i didn't know much about him and he started to sing a southern baptist gospel song gospel and when you see the elvis movie you see that as a young boy that's what impressed him and he got his early start of singing like gospel songs. Mm -hmm. uh, like, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog was actually a, a gospel song. I but anyway, he started singing this gospel song. And then there's the male quartet that is backing for him. They came over to the piano and they started harmonizing with him. And then there was the three, three black girls came over, the, the boop boopy doop girls in the songs. And they come up and the group was singing these gospel songs. And it showed a spiritual side of Elvis Presley. It was quite moving. So when you see next time you see Elvis on tour, you wait for that scene. Something which may have brought you into friendship together is the spiritual leanings you have yourselves. I refer, Ken, to the fellow you brought to town here in Hamilton, Paul Bennett of Nati Fakaui. <laughs> <laughs> You've toured in your own right as an accomplished musician, Australia, New Zealand too, in a band with Prince Tui Teka. Prince Tui Teka. Tui La Tui. And the spiritual common interest you and Ken share is one of a lesser known faith in New Zealand. How did it bring you together? The, the, the faith, and I mean, I become a Baha'i uh, 43 years ago. Uh, it was for a friend of mine who was a musician and a songwriter. And I was just curious, he came up, he became a Baha'i through Barry Crump. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that got me interested, and I spent a year studying the faith, and then one day it all clicked. The name Bennett, of course, is famous in Maoridom. Oh. Oh, Sir James Bennett, Sir Charles Bennett, yeah. Mark, Mark Bennett. Yeah, John Bennett. John Bennett. <laughs> Bennett. It's, a, it's a famous name, and are they all related to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your uncle, I Sir know. Charles Mwehi Te Arawaka Bennett, DSO, one of 19 children of Frederick Augustus Bennett, mm. 
Lieutenant Colonel in World War II, he was. Mm. Charles, Sir Charles. He saw action in Greece, Crete and North Africa being wounded. The youngest battalion commander in World War I in the second New Zealand Expeditionary Force. Also the first Anglican Maori Bishop of Aotearoa. That's an illustrious relative. Yeah, uh, Manu. Yeah. <coughs> um, Manu was the, the, the... Oh, no, Frederick. That's right, yeah. yeah. And we can't forget Dr. Henry Bennett, whom the... Waikato Hospital Mental Health Unit is named after his name's yeah. over the door. Is that one of your relations too? Yeah, one of my relations. Uncle Henry. It sets in the family line an expectation that people will do well, those related, descended. Yeah. It is a success in your case. <laughs> well, uh, there's not too many rock and roll singers in, uh, in the Bennett family. <laughs> I had a cousin called Teddy Bennett. And he had, a, he had a band in New Zealand called Teddy and the Bears, <laughs> which, which was very successful. With a, hand called, uh, a song called Clap Your Hands. Oh, clap your hands, clap your hands. Maybe that was an old one. But, um, yeah, so um, the mainstream in, uh, educated Bennis were down here, and I'm, I'm somewhere out there. But um, I made a, a living out of it for the last 60 years, so I can't complain. There are those who remember in their youth making a point of listening to you singing. Oh. Someone who passed by the evening last night at the Baha'i Centre mm. said she remembered you as one who used to perform occasionally near the Ellerslie Racecourse. Oh, that's true. And she was particularly attracted to your style of singing. Is it one that you developed very young? Oh, I, I, I could always sing reasonably well. And uh, A trained uh, voice? I, 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 mm -hmm. um, and I was in the Air Force when I was a young fellow in Australia. And uh, I moved... Uh, I got a... Uh, I was posted to Perth Air Force Base in, in, in West Australia and I got a show every Saturday night. Uh, I, I, can't, I think it was called Teen Scene, I think. Anyway. Teen Scene. Yeah, I think that was the name of the show. But it was all live, live music. You see, you couldn't make a mistake. <laughs> and um, Did you? I did a few times. A few of us. A few of us did. But maybe the audience didn't pick it. No. No, then it went out. That's <laughs> the key. The show must go on. The show must go on. Well, well, let's look at a who's who of Maori music. Sir John Rolls. Mm, John, yeah. Yep, of course. Mm. Herma Kyle. Herma. Um, her sister, who used to back all the vocalists of the time. Yeah, you mentioned Prince Tui Teka, mm. Sir Howard Morrison. Mm. You've worked with them all? Mm. all Ge Jerry, I remember we had the late Jerry Merito and the studio here around the same time that Ken was in the same era that we had Jerry in the studio one, at one time. Oh, yeah. What a funny, what a funny guy. <laughs> Jerry's marvellous. I mean, he's gone now, but I mean, he was a, he was a fantastic performer. And uh, I think that was um, Howard being the main singer and, and, and uh, Jerry being part of the quartet. And I think Jerry was as much a draw card as Howard was. You've worked hard mm. to entertain people. 
It's strange, isn't it? The artist might be striving and worrying and it's all to be dissolved in mirth, laughter, joy of music. Sometimes performances caused you some anxiety beforehand? Oh, yeah. Special occasions? Knees knocking and, you know... Hand shaking. Butterflies. Butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, always loved it. Always loved it. And it, it's, you said there weren't many rock and roll singers in the <laughs> Venice. But, Not the Matter family, no. But musically inclined, mm. like you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of music within the family. Crikey. Uh, is, is that something cultural uh, as much as anything else? Yeah. I... What I regret is, because I went to Australia when I was 10, my mother and father split up and my father took me to Australia and I was there for about, I don't know, 12 years. So I missed that cultural input that would have been valuable for me if I'd have stayed behind and done a bit of cultural stuff. However, I, when I came back, I decided I'm going to learn the language and get back into culture again, so I'm doing that. You succeeded? Partly. <laughs> the language is... I thought the language would be a piece of cake. You know, because my, my, my pronunciation is good. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but the intricacies of Maori language, for me, it's a, I'm a bit slow on it. Here's, a, here's another voice. The late, great Bunny Walters. We lost him at a young age. Oh, he was a lovely bunny. He was a lovely man. Oh, I do miss him. We were talking about him the other day, and Mandy, I think, was the song. And uh, he had a beautiful voice. But that's the thing. There's now, as you said before about it, how music has changed. We've discovered that almost everybody can sing. To a degree, you know, some better than others, but uh, there's a heck of a lot of it around. Well, well, well don't come near me. I've, I've got it. I'm tone deaf. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's big business entertainment. Oh, yeah. Can make a lot of money. Mm. Did you? No. Made a living. That was good. Does the fame and fortune often going together mm. sometimes be the undoing of people who oh, otherwise. For sure. For sure, but you know, I, I, I was happy to just be a worker and, and make a living at it, doing gigs. I worked at some of the gigs I worked at were for ten years, twelve years. You know, every Wednesday night, say, or Thursday night, down to the hotel, and the pub in those days. It was before I was a Baha'i, and uh, yeah, twelve years. Were you ever called into a recording studio to back some New Zealand singer as they drove and craved for a New Zealand number one hit? Were you called into a studio to record with them? Oh, no. No. Would have liked to. I've got a number one hit that I've got to record before I die called Be Happy. Oh, we heard a bit of it last night. Um, (laughs) Complicated lyrics. Complicated lyrics. Took me a long time to write this song. 
A long time to sing it too. How many verses? Oh, the 400. <laughs> You're a character. You <laughs> uh, could fill a whole album with that. <laughs> it was good fun. Are, are there recordings? I did a, uh, a commercial recording with, um, yeah, just an old Nat King Cole song and a few other local, you know, not local, uh, international songs. And There seems to be a tension between people who want the latest, the newest form of music, mm. or what passes as that, and the older people who are hankering for their childhoods. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just an interesting thing because uh, music, uh, yeah, that hankering for that old music, people are, are a bit disappointed because you don't hear much of it anymore. But every single day, on this earth, there are literally millions of new recordings being recorded. And it's impossible to hear them all. And so easy compared with the old days, the equipment. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's easy compared to the old days where they had, you know, primitive equipment. And, and now it's, uh, you can do it in your bathroom. <laughs> Did you change your lifestyle at the point when you became a Baha'i? Oh, definitely. That was uh, 1974 mm -hmm. and uh, I changed, I just, my whole life changed. Yeah. I became spiritually inclined, I just wanted to find out more. Uh, you know, I was hungering for world peace and yeah. all that sort of stuff and unity amongst mankind yeah. and I thought, well, the Baha'i faith has a kind of a, a blueprint for what, how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I sort of thought, oh, I got, I got yep. my interest and I thought I yep. want to find out about this. What age yep. were you? Yeah, I, I was mm, 74, 30 something. Yeah. Yep. So I found, the more I found out, the more I liked. And uh, now, 43 years later, I'm gone. I love it. Yep. Sadly, there are tragic cases on the rock and roll highway. We think of Bunny Walters and the late Tommy Adderley. Oh. Drink and drugs put them in both in prison. Yep, yep, that's true. That and uh, was, was, were, you, were you a heavy drinker in your younger no, days? No, no, no. You left that behind? Yeah, I, for some reason or other, my father was not a drinker. Mm -hmm. My dad, Joe. Mm -hmm. And I only ever saw him slightly tipsy once in my life. Yep. And we've got to think of a guy called Richie Pickett. Oh, yeah. He was a blatant alcoholic. Yeah. I did an interview with him in the studio one day. Mm. It was just after breakfast. Mm. Richie Pickett was off his face in this, in this studio. He never... That's what he died of. It's mm. practically... He was an alcoholic. Mm. And I can recall that he was off his face when he was doing the interview with me in one morning in the studio. Mm. It, it's sad, isn't it? It is. And there are other guys... Um, individuals who have learned from those mm -hmm. those guys. Um, I'm thinking of Chris Powley, who's a mate of mine, and uh, Chris is probably one of the best singers, male singers in this country. He's fantastic, and he doesn't. He's not a drinker and not a drugger or anything like that. He's just a really decent man. Oh, you, really decent. Brother. You, you sadly, and you and Ken would agree with it. There was drink, drugs, and over overeating that killed Elvis. Yeah. It was. 
It was. So so many of our performers, mm. like from you know Amy Winehouse, yep. well, uh, Elvis, uh, Prince, yep. all get addicted to these drugs because of their providers the, the, that allow them and give them whatever they want and they become addicted. Well, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned one Elvis song that we've got to play because you mentioned it in, in, in passing. You ain't nothing but a hound dog This is not this. This is not the original. It was done by Mama Thornton, and I've got the Mama Thornton um, original somewhere in my music collection. But this is not the original. Oh. Yeah, great, great voice. But um, if he'd keep, if he'd kept off the drugs and drinking, etc., etc., and the um, and the big sandwiches, would he still be performing today if he was still alive? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that it's hard to reconcile the public persona. With the person struggling, searching, suffering in the background. It happens to a lot of people. And, uh, I mean, it's true. If if Elvis had stayed off that stuff, he'd still be performing today, you know. And around New Zealand, we've got uh, performers who who do keep off, do keep off the, the drugs and things, and... They've learned, as I said, I was talking about Chris, uh, and, and they've learned to stay away from it and have a successful career as a result. It's to be hoped that others who find themselves in that trap yeah. can find their way spiritually sure. t- to something else. Yeah, spirit, the spirituality aspect of it, the thing that attracted me to the Baha'i faith is that unity is the key, the unity of mankind. Uh, the wonders of God, the wonders of mankind, the wonders of religion and all that. And that just really attracted me. And I thought the more people that head in that direction, the better of our communities will be. The wise words of Paul Bennett. Thank you for coming along together with you, Ken Zemke. Long may the friendship continue. We look forward to your next visit to Hamilton. And I, and, and I think you you guys have got to record together. You've got to get some some recording gear and record together. Because you were sounding pretty good last night. Well, well, luckily, guys, I have found the original version of Hound Dog. This is a lady. She was a big singer back in the, back in the times. Big Mama Thornton. Here we go. This is the original Hound Dog. You!
great memories of years gone by and we go from one generation to the young generation our favorite train spotter good afternoon jd good afternoon everyone how, how are, are you? you oh i'm very good yourself i love you i love your cap oh thank you one of my <laughs> one of my good friends gave to me he's done in palmas and all and you got you got the gummies on today the gum boots yes i do indeed i do indeed you were just finishing your school holidays Yes, unfortunately, tomorrow back to school oh. starts all over again. <laughs> so you've had time to study up trains. Yes, trains. And, and what will you share with us today? Well, I'd like to show you that today is the last day that Steam Incorporated and Glenbrook Vintage Railway are hosting the 100-year celebration for the Waiuku branch line, which is the Glenbrook Heritage Railway railway line that they run their excursions on that are based in Auckland. And as well, they're celebrating the Steam Incorporated's 50-year anniversary of preserving steam engines and diesel engines and sharing the history of New Zealand, which is quite remarkable. And also, since this is the last day, they'll also be running a tugboat, the William C. Daly. Um, I could be pronouncing that wrong, but it's a tugboat that started work in Auckland in 1935 and was the first ever tugboat that was the biggest tugboat to be commissioned in Auckland for helping ships maneuver out of the harbour. So that will be running for public service. Well, you certainly specialise in transport in all forms. It interests you, Jaidi. Yes, it does. Road, rail and sea all intrigue me. But rail is definitely the favourite out of all of them. Well, you're welcome to share that interest with all of our listeners who similarly treasure the trains. Yes, I like to make the history of New Zealand Rail well known. So that's why I like coming on this radio and talking about it. Mm -hmm. And also I find it good that other companies like Steam Incorporated and Glenbrook are starting to host more and more excursions every year. Which So instead of hearing one person talking on radio about railways and the history of it, at least you have something physical that you can go and visit and actually see and hear in person. Yeah. Thank you for that. Have, having here and sitting in a cafe the other week, and um, having a train go underneath you. <laughs> yes, it's, yep. it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. Anyway, Trevor is talk is next, and then coming up we've got Harmony Waikato. Can you see I love you? Please don't break my heart in two. That's not hard to do, cause I don't have a wooden And if you say goodbye, then I know that I would cry. Maybe I would die, cause I don't have a wooden There's no strings upon this love of mine. It was always you from the start Treat me nice, treat me good Treat me like you really should And another Elvis song, one of my favourites Because Woodenhart, because he sung it part of it in German That's some G.I. Blues Good afternoon, Trevor Oh, good afternoon of Those that haven't heard There are a lot of ram raids happening around the country uh, It's on the news all the time 
Excuse me. I've got a frog in my throat. It's gone now. It's gone back into the pond. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, I saw a bit there. Uh, <coughs> to get around, oh dear me. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, ways of eliminating it. There's a person there, a Dutchman, in the, one of the papers, weekday papers, that get delivered saying that to put bars up. I say, well, that's a good idea. That way they won't get in. But they look like prison bars. Well, they, you can make them, those security bars, more pleasing to the eye, more artistic curves and curls and circles and that sort of thing. Make them look quite eye-catchy. They put them in, and also they have their smoke guns too that operate, but you've got to turn a switch on when they break in. I was thinking if they have one that worked by a sensor control, they break in, powerful lights shine on their face, and the smoke guns go off. And that way the, the, the shop has a certain amount of protection pretty well straight away. And when the shop owner comes in, they turn the switch off of a three-second delay uh, before it goes off. And another factor is, too, service stations after hours, I work for a slot in the, in the window, <coughs> and uh, a slide underneath where you pay and FBOS and all that sort of and I deliver the goods. Well, how about introducing something like that, where you can't walk into a shop anymore, but only do for shop through a window, like a service station after hours? All those things put into place uh, would eliminate this ram raise considerably. <clears throat> and there's uh, poles that they put up there to protect the shops. If, they, if they're not working, put concrete ones there. Cement them in with reinforced steel, and the car would never get near it. Yeah, something has got to be done in the city <clears throat> because I mentioned earlier when I came on here about the car, they're doing a burnout on Victoria Street last night. Yeah, I heard night. you say that on the radio. Oh, yeah. It is really, really How ridiculous. How they do that? Because that's controlled by traffic lights. <sighs> And Dwayne, Dwayne does did tell me that the police are looking for this person, um, and everybody cheered. Oh, the, this alcohol for you. Yep. Um, and of course, sadly, as I was going home, a guy on one of those scooters crossing the Anzac Parade Bridge in front of a taxi, and the ta- I saw the taxi driver's head nodding, and my head just shook with how people are stupid. In the city. Anyway, that's my thoughts for the day. Thank you, Trevor. I'll let you rest your voice because we've got to get out of here. Because next up is the next program is Harmony Waikato, and of course we had um, we had Todd and his uh, um, companion, and talking about languages and how they're going to be teaching them. We'll leave you with this. Vanavond te lachen, dan denk in de zin Vanavond die roon kan bouwer te klein En klaatert hem zelf recht op de een En te makken het jordies baira Weer robbie de rockie en wel hij de doet Die jammer verzelf en die niet maar kroe En abbe die als de kut had of de ploe Te makken het jordies baira Als ik in de satter was abbe die in Vijf meil al waar je kunt hier dat in Even de werk hoe had ik er in Te makken het jordies baira 
bobby come down the crowd on the sun the crater got lost while the rakes hit their fun he fell in the midden was like to drone at the muckin' of Geordie's buyer the wacky on signs at the bar and bitch the wheel carries on and the obby that hits lost you should have seen how she did the splits at the muckin' of Geordie's buyer oh sick and a sutter was abedy in five mile oh why you could hear the din even the verico had tigrin at the muckin' of Geordie's buyer the whiskey get run Tommy flee in the dew And I as they drank The mare they got through The only and sober The calf and the coo At the muck in the Geordie's bear Tommy roars out Ring the bell No for mare Sign he tug at the coo's tail And pull Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast If you want to hear more content like this You can support Free FM via Patreon Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.